From Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center in Vacaville, California. How timely that is. I mean, there's so much uncertainty and so many unknowns with what's going on in our country, in our world. And so to be guided by our souls or by that divinity within is a powerful message in and of itself. So thank you for that. I read a book once called The Seven Whispers, a very good book. I highly recommend it. But one of the chapters, I don't know if it was the chapter title or the theme, was Move at the Pace of Guidance. Isn't that beautiful? Just the, and I keep thinking about that through everything that's happening because two days ago I feel like I know what I need to do and I wake up the next morning and everything's different. So I have to go back, go within, and listen for that guidance and move only at the pace of guidance. Sometimes there's this push to move faster than the pace of guidance. And I've learned in my life, when I do that, that's, that's not good. That's usually my fear driving me to do something, do anything. <laughs> I heard on the TV set yesterday... Uh, psychologist or a psychiatrist was talking about this rush to empty all the stores of toilet paper. <laughs> and the discussion was about that's the anxiety that's coming up for people and it's a comforting behavior for whatever reason. <laughs> so that's not moving at the pace of guidance, right? Guidance, guidance would allow us to be a little bit gentler with all of that. So we are still in 2020. And 2020, we, we I decided, or Spirit decided, because the guidance was very strong to choose peace. And I think that was absolutely the perfect theme for the year. Because if we can move through challenges, with a deep sense of peace, the experience is so much easier. The opportunities to learn and grow are great. And it feels so much better than losing our sense of peace. Today we're going to talk about a seed of faith what I've been doing is I've been looking at the life of St. Francis through the prayer that was written about him in his life, the prayer of St. Francis. And the prayer is up on the screen now. If you'd like to read it with me, please do so. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. So this prayer describes who Francis was 
and what his way of being, his way of life was. And he has been described ever since he walked this earth as someone who brought peace into every situation. I mean, he lived almost a thousand years ago and still to be remembered as a, that presence of peace is a powerful thing. We talked before about the very first line, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. And I had gone through a couple biographies of, of Francis, and out of them pulled two things that seemed to be a powerful theme. I've since seen those same two themes in other descriptions of his life. And those two things were his practice of going into the silence, his practice of bringing the silence into every circumstance. I read this last week uh, that he once was invited to speak at a convent, to speak to the Sisters of St. Clair, and he came in, he stood before them, and he had a bowl of ashes in his hand, and he took the ashes and silently sprinkled them on his head, and then he stood there a while, gazing at each face before him, and then quietly left. That was the whole sermon. He is described as telling people, preach the gospel always and use words only if you have to. Okay. So he lived in the silence even when he was among people, even when he spoke. So with everything that's going on and with the sense of things changing and needing to know how to move through them, what a beautiful time it is to practice every day going into that silence several times a day and then bringing that silence into the circumstances that you meet. Because the reaction is, you know, and you turn on the TV and there's more, and... We need to turn on the TV because we need to know some of, you know, we need to know about what is going on. But I don't know about you, if I have that TV on too long, I start feeling disturbed inside. I start feeling discouraged. I start feeling sad, sometimes angry, and I don't even know who I'm angry at, you know, the virus. Um, so to turn off that TV when you notice that's happening, and, and find, even if it's a few minutes of silence. And then if you need to listen some more for updates, that's fine, but, you know, give, give space. You know, don't live in that external commotion. And the other practice that Francis had, that willingness to be new. How cool is that, that we were ahead of the game, and decided to be willing to be new before all this stuff started, right? Every day it changes and we're called upon to be willing to be new. And when we are, we keep that sense of our inner peace and the strength that comes with it. If we hang on and say, no, 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 it has to be the way it used to be, we get pretty darn miserable. 
all of you, all of us, you know, we shifted from hugging to namaste, and today it was just so beautiful. Last week I had memories of Tish dancing, and it would bring a smile to my face. And that willingness to be new, that willingness to do it differently, that willingness to maybe on a Sunday stay home and be part of the service through the streaming because your guidance is to take care of you. Again, we are not this building, as beautiful as this building is. We are not this physical space. We are a community. And it is the love and the faith that makes us who we are. And we can be willing to be new in the way we claim that, we express it. I probably shouldn't say that. But we can be willing to be new in how we donate to the church, right? <laughs> that was a bozo no-no, but I did it. <laughs> So this is, again, so timely to what's going on. I think we were meant to learn this in a very deep way. I know it helps me to remember to go into the silence and stay willing to be new. So today we're going to focus on where there is doubt. Let me sow faith. I don't know about you, I feel much better when I am in faith, when my faith is strong. And when I am doubting, when I am afraid, when I'm anxious, life feels pretty darn miserable. So the choice is clear. We choose faith, right? And as we are in that consciousness of faith, we bring that consciousness again to every circumstance. This is my favorite definition of faith, and it's from letters to the Hebrews. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Assurance feels good. When I experience that assurance, when I feel assured that my highest and best is unfolding, when I experience that assurance that I have within me all I need to meet the situation, I feel strong. I feel powerful. I feel my spiritual power moving through me. So faith gives me that as a gift. Conviction. Conviction is another real powerful, strong, good feeling. When I have convictions, they can carry me through situations. So faith is that ability to have that assurance and that conviction even when the evidence for that assurance and conviction is not yet before me. There's a great commercial on TV that says, basically they say, some people say I'll believe it when I see it and they reverse it, whoever wrote the commercial is unity and they say, no, you have to believe it first and then you'll see it. So that's, that's what this definition is saying. Charles Fillmore found a way of making it very heady, but <laughs> this is a good definition. Faith, the perceiving power of the mind linked with the power to shape substance. How many people feel inspired by that? 
couple. <laughs> How many people know what it means? <laughs> Three people. Oh, four. Okay. <laughs> How we see things, how we perceive things makes the biggest difference. So we have a perceiving power. We can choose to see a cup half empty or half full. We can choose to see the world as the news broadcasts proclaim it, or we can choose to see love. We can choose to see community. We can choose to see the good. After the fires in paradise, there were interviews shown with different families who had lost everything. And there was one family, there were children and a dog or a couple dogs, I'm not remembering all the details, and the interviewer, and their house had been burnt down completely and they had barely made it out of there alive. And they interviewed him and they asked how they were feeling with all this devastation. And they just went on and on about, we are so grateful. We all made it. None of us are hurt. You know, the whole family is fine. The dog or the dogs are fine. We are so grateful. We can be, rebuild this. It'll be a process and we know that. But we're okay and we're grateful. And then they interviewed other people who, oh, this is awful. I've lost everything. Life will never be the same again the exact same circumstance. So we can choose to see I am so grateful in the face of this that I have those that I love or that my dog is with me or whatever it is. So that's the perceiving power of the mind. And when we link that up with the creative power of the mind, the way we think, where we focus our attention, we are able to shape substance. Substance was a word that was an in-word. It was a cool word at the time that Charles was alive. He wasn't trying to be weird using that word. Okay. We might say potential today. You know, the scientists talk about potential energy. And that which is potential comes into being, comes into material form. So when we shape that potential energy, we can create out of what seems to be nothing, something. And that's the power to shape substance. He has another definition that's easier that I wanted to share. Faith is spiritual assurance. It's the power to do the seemingly impossible. I have story after story after story after story after story of the seemingly impossible happening and the joy that goes with that and, and the process of realizing that I am a part of this creation process. That's what faith is. That's the power of faith. And that's what we can choose to hold in the face of this virus, in the face of, of the economy, in the face of all the things that are happening around us. And the really cool thing, the coolest thing about this whole process 
is what Jesus said. He said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So that means that in the face of everything that go, is going on, I don't have to have a strong and constant faith of this vision of a great outcome. Right? I don't have to have that full-blown faith because Jesus taught, and I really believe this to be true, that we need faith the size of that mustard seed. That's on a person's finger. You know, and that mustard seed is going to grow into a mustard tree that looks like this, right? So when the circumstances feel really difficult, and inside there is this sense of no way can I bring a powerful faith into this because there's so much doubt within me or so much sadness or so much fear. All we need to do is bring faith the size of that mustard seed. But we have to be doing that with conviction that I offer this faith and make a commitment to offer that mustard seed faith. Our prosperity class is being taught according to Mary Morrissey's Prosperity Plus. And in that class, she tells a story when she was a older teenager, young woman, I, I don't remember the exact age, I'm thinking 18, 19, something like that. She was diagnosed with terminal kidney disease. One kidney was just about completely dead. You know, the tissue was dead. And the other one was declining rapidly. And she's this young lady, you know, with her life, she thought, ahead of her. And she's in the hospital, and she's depressed, and she's perceiving this as absolutely horrible. And a prayer chaplain came in to speak to her and, and said, can you believe that you can get well? Can you join me in seeing that when they remove your kidney tomorrow in the surgery that's scheduled, they will remove all of the illness. They will remove all of the physical illness. They will remove all the emotional illness. They will remove all of the, the thoughts that are contributing to this illness, that everything that is making your kidneys not function will just be removed with that one kidney. And Mary Morrissey said, no, I don't believe that, because the doctors told her she's dying. They'll take out this kidney and it'll buy her a few months. And so the prayer chaplain worked with her until she finally hit on something that Mary could believe. She said, well, can you believe that I believe that when they take the kidney out tomorrow, you will be made well? It might take a few weeks, months, till you're fully recovered, but with that kidney being removed, you are made whole. And Mary thought about it, she goes, I can believe that. So she went into the surgery with this mustard seed of faith. It, it's not a huge amount of faith she was offering. 
But she made a commitment to hold that faith throughout, that when doubts came up, instead of harboring the doubts, that she would affirm the prayer chaplain believes that this will make me well. And she got well. You know, this is many, many years later, and she's teaching people these principles, and that's why she's teaching them, because it, it saved her life. So that mustard seed grows up into a mustard tree and that is all we need to offer. So in the face of this virus, when it feels overwhelming, find that mustard seed of faith. What is it that you can believe that you can bring into the situation every time the fear tries to come up or the sadness? There's a, a man that I heard speak at the Unity Church I attended in Florida. His name is Terry McBride, and he was dying after a sports injury. He, a, a bacteria had gotten into his body that was eating away his flesh and basically killing his cells from within. And again, the doctors gave him no hope. There were going to be surgeries to alleviate some of the pain, but he was dying, and he was about 20. And he read all of these New Thought books. He read the Fillmores, he read others, and they all told him to believe. And he didn't believe, he couldn't believe anything. Nothing. And then someone told him about the mustard seed faith. And the most powerful thing that he could believe is he would have enough nerve to talk to his doctor, because he was terrified of his doctor. And so he wanted to ask certain questions about what would help him heal. His doctor would always tell him, nothing's going to help you. So he was afraid to ask. But he could believe that he would have enough courage to talk to his doctor. That was his mustard seed. And then many, many years later, he was t telling his story and teaching people. And that's when I got to see him. A mustard seed of faith. Charles Fillmore said that the unity work has been developed from less than nothing. They had less than nothing to the present state of unfoldment through faith, faith in God and in prayer. They really didn't have, you know, it was just a small group that wanted to really get a handle on truth. That was Myrtle's story. She got hold of this idea that she doesn't inherit illness, that she's a child of God. And then for two years, she held that in faith. She prayed. The story of unity, in, I think it was in the 1920s, very close to there, they bought this huge acreage. They bought a farm and they were going to move their, their group from the city in a fairly small church and they were going to move them all out to the farm and they were going to create a movement and they invested all this money. And does everyone remember what happened toward the end of the 20s? Great Depression. I mean, whatever they had, the equivalent of stock markets was really... <laughs> falling, they had to move back to the city. 
So their appearance was, okay, we put all this money into this property, and now we have to backtrack. They moved back to the church where they were working, and around them was the murmuring, we'll never be able to do this, we've lost everything now, blah, 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 so much for the movement. We will, how will we ever have enough money to go forward? And Myrtle kept saying, it's not, how will we have enough money, but will we have enough faith? And they did. And their vision came to be, and then some. So we're being called upon to remember to go into the silence, to be keenly aware of our oneness with God, to move at the pace of guidance, to be willing to be new, because you will be new over and over and over again before this is over. Let it be an adventure. Do you know? Be willing to be new, and where there is doubt, sow that mustard seed of faith. Namaste. Thank you for listening to Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center. Our services are every Sunday, 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock at 350 North Orchard Avenue in Vacaville, California. You can support our podcast by making a donation at www.unityvacaville.org. Just be.